Reach Young Adult Ministry Sermons Online from Tuesday, December 9th, 2020, entitled I Am Free from 1 John 1, 7 through 217, featuring guest speaker Kyle Thomas, the director of the Tulsa Community College Baptist Collegiate Ministries, in a special two-part crossover sermon series between Reach Young Adult Ministries and the TCCBCM. There is a stirring As we, we dive in tonight, I kind of want to, you know, it's always weird when you don't know the person that's speaking to you, and so I figured we'd give a, do a little get to get to know you kind of thing. So with, with the holiday theme, uh, as my, my son, uh, you guys saw them, uh, they were the ones that we carried out screaming. Um, <laughs> they love evening time, it's great. Uh, he's five years old, as he mentioned last time when I was putting in bed, he's like, Dad, tomorrow's the start of Christmas month. <laughs> Celebrates a whole month of Christmas, so power to him. Uh, but with that, here we go. How many of you were, were brought up uh, or you were raised believing in Santa? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love it. I love it. Uh, so you're, you're brought up believing in Santa. Uh, how many of you were raised in a Christian home? I mean, I don't, my hand's down. Sorry. Don't, don't acknowledge my hand up. Um, okay. So how many of you were brought up in a Christian home and believing in Santa? Dang, I, it is, it's, yeah, it's the same, wow, uh, interesting, I really want to have a conversation with you guys and be like, why did your parents let you believe in Santa? No, not that it's bad, not that it's bad, um, so, we, I mean, we have, you know, we got some that, you know, actually more than what I probably would have thought um, in the sense of believing in Santa and being raised in a, in a Christian home, uh, so I was not raised in a Christian home, uh, my parents are still I mean, I, they believe in God, but they don't believe like you can really know God on a, on a relationship kind of level, um, and they don't really have a, a desire. So, um, so yeah, that's a whole nother, a whole nother time, a whole nother story, but uh, not raised in a Christian home, definitely believed wholeheartedly in Santa Claus, 100%. I was in, okay? Uh, now, let's be clear. Dude at the mall freaked me out. I wasn't about that, all right? <laughs> When Santa showed up at the mall and when the creepy, gross bunny costume showed up at the mall, I was out, okay? Uh, loved the mall, except for when they were there. Uh, not about that. Um, but growing up, Santa was a big deal for me, anyway. Uh, I was always like, man, what's Santa going to get me this year? Uh, and usually he got me what I asked for, uh, that kind of stuff. Um, and it ended up, and here's the, the funny thing, so... Growing up, believing in Santa, my mom like will still put Santa from Santa on our gifts. I'm like, Mom, I'm 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 32. Like I, I know it's you. Okay. Uh, well, what what happened was we would go to my grandparents. They lived in Illinois at the time, so we would you know we would all load up in our car and trek up there for nine hours uh, to go hang out for Christmas. Great time, loved it. A lot of snow, so I got to experience snow. Uh, which, you know, some of you, if you were born and raised in Oklahoma, you've experienced like three times, maybe. Um, maybe not at all. So anyway, my dad, this is, I love my dad. Great thing is my dad ruined the tooth fairy for me. He also ruined Santa Claus. Uh, and so what happened was my grandparents' house, the way it was laid out, you had the kitchen over here. You had like a, another living room area, which is where my brother and I would sleep. And then you had my grandparents' bedroom, my parent, the bedroom my parents slept in, and then there was a bathroom. And so, obviously, my parents did not put out the presents from Santa until, like, late in the, the evening of, of Christmas Eve, because they knew we were going to shake the presents and check them out, all that kind of stuff. So they were smart about it, right? Well, it bit them in the butt, because I was about, I mean, maybe nine, nine years old. And yes, obviously, there were signs that led to me not believing in Santa Claus, but I was like, I'm not going to buy it. No, I totally, 100%, I'm in, all right? Tim Allen was the dude, all right? Uh, so uh, that's, that's where I was at. Um, but my dad gets up in the middle of the night to go and put the presents under the tree. Um, and this is after we had, like, our big family Christmas Eve party. And so I'm asleep, and then all of a sudden, I hear this, like, huge smack on the, the kitchen floor. The floor is linoleum, okay? So when you hit, like, when you smack your hand on it, it makes a loud noise. And I'm like, what just happened? I kind of wake up, and in the, the haze of that sleep-awake state, I see my dad getting up. I'm like, what is dad doing? Why is he walking into the back? 
oh wait. And then it all like clicked in my mind. I was like, no, go to sleep, go to sleep. Don't believe it, don't believe it. Uh, and yeah, Santa was, Santa was over. Um, so the worst Christmas, I mean, I still got the, the stuff I asked for, like, so I guess it wasn't that bad. Uh, but I was just like, well, and then he did the same thing. Well, not the same thing with the tooth fairy, but he forgot one night when my mom was out of town. And that was hilarious. I, I give him grief for that. Um, so anyway, uh, so with that, I mean, yes, believing Santa, not a big deal. Some of you guys, as you mentioned, you were raised in Christian homes. You were brought up believing in Santa. You're still, you know, spiritually sound, hopefully, Lord willing. Uh, you understand Santa Claus doesn't exist. Spoiler alert. Sorry if I ruined that for you. Um, there was a real person. This is what we did with, with my son. We've, we've been teaching him. Um, hey, St. Nick was a real person. And we teach him about who St. Nick was, and, and we acknowledge that and all that kind of stuff. But Christmas is focused on the birth of Jesus and why that's significant. Uh, but the problem is, in teaching my five-year-old that, he'll be, you know, hanging around his little buddies, and they'll say something about Santa, and he'll be like, Santa's dead. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. Hang on. Don't say that. Don't say that too, too loud. Um, but with that, and with this time of year, I, I would dive headfirst into the Christmas spirit. Um, and I honestly, like, as I became a believer and I truly understood what Christmas was about, I think it is one of the most important times. I mean, it, it is a very important time. It's a great time for believers because people seem to be a little, you know, more upbeat, right? Don't know if it's Christmas lights. Don't know what they put in the eggnog. I don't get it, but whatever. Uh, they're, they're a little more positive. And I think it's an opportunity that Christians have to really point people to Jesus rather than, hey, let's buy stuff and give each other stuff. Um, so with me diving headfirst into the Christmas spirit um, and really being amped up on Santa, like I was under the impression of good and bad. So I was like, hey, if I'm a good kid, I'll get, I'll get what I asked for. If I'm a bad kid, I'll get coal. And the reason why we don't really teach my, my children about Sam. And so when Philip and I were talking about doing this, and we, you know, we're diving into like, hey, what do, what do they need to hear? Like, what do we need to talk about? Um, accountability came up. Um, and really how important it is to, to have your brothers and sisters in Christ and have that community, uh, have them holding you up in good times, having them holding you up in bad times, uh, having them point you to truth, talking about truth, having spiritual conversations on a regular basis. Uh, and so that's what we're going to be looking at tonight. Um, and so 1 John 2, we're going to start in verse 1, and it's going to be kind of all over the place. Uh, you guys might get a little confused, but don't worry about it. It's going to be fine. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll keep you up, up to, to date on a letter like, hey, everyone, read this. It seems to be more to a, a, a congregation or to churches. Uh, we don't necessarily have the exact details on that, um, but that's just kind of how it comes across. And so, so I'm going to read some, and then we're going to go back and, and look at it a little bit more. Uh, so verse 1, John says, My little children, I am writing you these things so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He himself is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for those of the whole world. This is how we know that we know him. If we keep his commands, the one who says, I have come to know him, and yet doesn't keep his commands is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly in him, the love of God is made complete. This is how we know we are in him. The one who says he remains in him should walk just as he walked. Dear friends, I am not writing you a new command, but an old command that you have had from the beginning. The old command is the word you have heard. Verse 8, yet I am writing you a new command, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. The one who says he is in the light but hates his brother or sister is in the darkness until now. The one who loves his brother or sister remains in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But the one who hates his brother or sister is in the darkness, walks in the darkness, and doesn't know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. So let's, let's stop right there. Uh, so yes, I tell this, uh, I am free 
And you may be like, okay, uh, cool. Um, you know, there's a song talks about I am free, you know, all that good stuff. Um, but it's important for us to recognize that we are free in Christ. And so uh, the first thing I want you guys to understand is followers of Jesus are free. And so we're going to rewind a little bit. We're going to go to, to 1 John 1, uh, and we'll see a couple verses that, that address this um, in chapter 1. If you start in verse 6, if we say we have fellowship with him, and yet we walk in darkness, we are lying and not practicing the truth. Um, verse 7, if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So I want to stop right there. So if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And so we have to understand if we are walking in the light, if we are pursuing Christ on a, on a daily basis, and you can ask my students They'll, they'll let you know that I hound disciplines all the time. I'll, I'll tell you how important it is to spend time in the Word daily. I'll tell you how important it is to memorize Scripture on a regular basis. I'll tell you how important it is to pray. I'll tell you how important it is to meditate on the Word, uh, to be discipled, to disciple someone, to share the gospel. Uh, if you're not doing those things, those things are, are things that are attributed to walking in the light. I don't just mean that you carry around a flashlight with you. Okay, I know some of you guys, you're scared in your house. If anything's dark, you turn on all the lights as you go from your room to the bathroom to downstairs. Some of you guys are making that face like, Kyle, you just called me out, and you don't even know it. Um, I get it, all right? Guys, my uncle put on child's play when I was four years old, okay? Lights didn't come off for years, all right? If you don't know what child's play is, look it up on IMDb. You'll be terrified. Um, it's a little demented doll that murders people. Um, <laughs> so... So anyway, we see in verse 7, John saying, hey, if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. That's important. We have fellowship with one another. What does it mean to have fellowship? I mean, we're living life together. We're not constantly judging each other or gossiping or, or comparing each other uh, or comparing to, to one another. We have fellowship. It's, uh, it's one of those things that, and I think you, you've seen it, and you're, you guys understand this. I would say your generation desperately wants unity, especially when it comes to being a believer. If you see a church that starts to say, hey, we're not going to interact with that group because they may take numbers from us, you're out. And so here, John is saying that if we are walking in the light, the product of that will be having fellowship with one another. In verse 8, if we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. In verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I, I put verse 9 in here because I, I thought it was significant. Because I know that there are probably people in here that you may be dealing with some guilt. You may be dealing with shame. You may be dealing with a sin issue that's just a, a constant struggle um, or a constant, a daily battle, uh, whatever that is. Memorize 1 John 1 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful, He is just to cleanse us, to purify us from all unrighteousness. God's listening. God doesn't want you to live in that guilt or that shame. And so it's significant. We are free as followers of Jesus. Now, when I say free, obviously I don't mean we're free to do whatever we want. Okay, you don't get to leave here and go out and get hammered and be like, you know what? Hey, I'll just ask for forgiveness tomorrow. Um, I mean, there are some people that believe that. There are some faiths that, you know, they, they believe that. Um, biblical Christianity is not one of them. But what I mean is that, and this is going to, I'm going to have to explain this, I'll have to dive into it a little bit, uh, so stay with me. I mean that um, followers of Jesus are free from, from obligation, okay? Um, and so I kind of want you to, to think back to my story of believing in, in Santa, right? I strived, I, I, I dove head first into to being good. I wanted to be a good person. I didn't want to get in trouble. I didn't want to get in trouble for my parents. didn't want to get in trouble for my grandparents. Uh, didn't want to get in trouble for my teachers. Um, and I mean, guys, I got in trouble for some weird things because I was a pretty good kid, if I do say so myself. Um, and, and I hated it. Like, I remember I had, I had, like, time out during recess in third grade one time. I just sat there and, like, cried the entire time. I thought, my, like, my world was over. It's like, you're going to tell my parents I'm going to die. Um, like, <laughs> they're going to murder me. Um, but that's just, I mean, A, 
part of it's kind of how God made me, but the other part is like, I just, I, that's what I believe. Like, I have to be a good kid in order to, you know, receive love, receive uh, gifts, blessings, whatever. And, and I, again, as I mentioned, like, I was not a, a bad kid, all right? You could probably throw some kids out there, and I'm like, yeah, I didn't do anything near as that bad. No, I was still a sinner, okay? Let's not, not get caught up on that. Um, but I didn't like getting in trouble. And so my decisions were made out of fear, out of the, the consequence of, of what would happen. So I would do everything like, okay, hey, I don't, nope, sorry, I'm not going to do that. Uh, so I wouldn't even necessarily maybe do the right thing or take initiative to do the right thing because I was afraid I could get in trouble. And so when I say free of, of obligation, I mean that this, this weight, when you surrender your life to Christ, this, this weight of, hey, I have to please my parents. I have to live up to, to their expectations, or I have to live up to my own expectations. I was talking with a student just yesterday about how we put expectations on ourselves of how ministry will go in our life, and we say, hey, this semester, man, God's going to do this, God's going to do that, it's going to be great, I'm going to love it, and then if it doesn't match up, then we live in guilt. We put the blame on ourselves, and we say, well, it must have been me. I did something wrong. I didn't live up to what God had for me. I fell short. It's my fault. And God's not saying that at all. That's the enemy. That's the, that's the world throwing that on us. And so, um, so I, I really think that Satan has done a good job of perverting the truth, right? He's really good at that. He's crafty. Um, and so some of us grew up thinking that following Jesus was, was following a list of, of do's and don'ts. How many of you guys believed that early on? Anybody? Got a couple people? That was me. All right? It's like, hey, if I, I mean, I would have a laundry list of prayers every night. Like, I'd fall asleep praying. I mean, I wasn't really praying. I was just, like, naming people. God, don't let them die. 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 And I, like, pass out uh, asleep. And so, um, but, so you had this list of do's and don'ts. Hey, don't do that. Hey, do this. Don't do that. And so what happened was, uh, and this is kind of how, how I relate this, uh, because it's not necessarily, like, I mean, yes, like we want to follow God's commands, and we're going to talk about that. Uh, yes, we want to be obedient. Uh, yes, we want, to, we want to please the Lord, and, and we want to live a life that, that glorifies Him. But it's not just like a, as simple as a list of do's and don'ts. Okay, it's, it's a relationship, right? And so I would say that the church that was, you know, preaching this, teaching this, they were, they were kind of overcorrecting because they saw the, the teaching that was coming, and they're like, oh, no, 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 like we got to... Hey, you, no, dancing, you can't dance, no, don't. And so they're like, hey, guys, that's sin. Nope, sorry. Oh, you held her hand, and she's not your wife? Nope, sorry, that's sin. Uh, oh, hey, I saw you thought that she was pretty and you wanted to ask her out, but you, you didn't. Nope, that's sin. Like, you know, it's these kind of things that, uh, that can just be ridiculous, right? And they put this, this list out there, and let's be honest, that's, that's the old, you know, you look in the Old Testament. They had all these laws to follow. Couldn't do it. And but now we start to see churches that have over overcorrected the other way. Right? They're like, hey, we're not about this list of do's and don'ts. It's about being in a relationship with Jesus. And that's that's where it stops. And so holiness has gone out the window. It's like, oh hey, you can live your life really however you want, as long as you show up to church on Sunday and you're involved in a, a small group and and hey, it's a relationship. That's where it's at. So yeah, substitute your quiet time for listening to some worship music on Spotify. And so we have to find the, the middle ground, okay? We can't just say, hey, it's a do's and don'ts. And we can't say, hey, 100%, yeah, it's all about relationship. I'm just going to go with what I feel. Man, this is what I feel God telling me to do. Sometimes that can be true, but we have to line that up with, with God's word. So we have to find the middle. But here's the thing. Again, as I mentioned, like, there is freedom that is found in Christ. And we are free of the obligation of having to sit down and really decipher that for ourselves because he has given us his word. And if we dive in and we study it, guys, it's not going to return void. He's not going to leave us on an island by ourselves to figure it out. And there may be times where we mess up. I mean, we do make a, a decision based off of how we felt. And then we're like, well, wait a minute. I don't know if that was what God was telling me to do. Looking back, I, 
may have made a mistake. Or, you know, we dive, we dive in and we, we get kind of too legalistic. I mean, I was, I, as an example of this, and then we're going we're gonna to move on. Um, I was very much, because I was like, and I don't get it. I don't really understand. I think it was probably the Lord more than me. Uh, early on, I was like, you know what? I'm not going to have sex before marriage. Yeah, we're going to be all over the place tonight, guys. Uh, I'm not going to do that. That's one thing I'm not going to do. And it's easy to say that. And, you know, when I was growing up, I, I mean, again, you know, let's see, I graduated 2007. Um, so some of you guys were a lot. No, most of you, you were all born, but uh, you were like five. Um, so anyway, so I, I, I kind of, then there was still this cultural, like, I, purity aspect. Uh, and maybe that's just from my point of view, it could have been out the window a million years ago, and I just was oblivious to it because the Lord, thank you, Jesus, kept me ignorant. Um, but that's what, that, was, that was my viewpoint. That's what I was going to do. But then I got into college, and it's like, hey, I'm meeting people that they've experienced different lives. They came to know Christ later in life. They had different, you know, things that, that led them into that past. And it's like, hey, yes, God offers forgiveness, and I'm not taking anything away from that. But at that moment, in my mind, it didn't make sense. And I was just like, wait, like, I'm sorry, I can't date you. Think about that. Think about how, how much of a tool I was, right? Like, I was a jerk for, for just saying that. Oh, hey, you know what? Jesus forgives you, but I just can't. Like, I'm sorry. Because I, I've, I have this, this vow that I've made. Guys, that's not what, what God really teaches and, and, and shares. It's like, hey, you need to love. You know, you need to have grace. Now, obviously, those relationships wouldn't have worked out anyway, not because of the physical thing, but... I was way too immature, and it, I was an idiot. So anyway, um, and now the Lord has provided me with my beautiful wife um, who left with our children while they were screaming, <laughs> because they were screaming. Uh, but I say that to, to share, like, there are times where we make mistakes, and we mess up, uh, and we're on one side, and we're, we're radically on the other side, and we're trying to figure out where the, the middle ground is, but usually we're doing that while we're just ignoring this. And we're thinking that our feelings line up with the things that, that Jesus is saying, but we're not diving into what Jesus is saying. And so we are free. You, as a follower of Christ, are free. You don't have anyone to please but the Lord. And here's the, here's the cool thing. This is what I love about it. He's already done all the work. There's nothing you can do that he's going to be like, you know what? Hey, man, I didn't even think of that. No, he's just going to be like, hey, just be faithful. Just follow me. I mean, it could be a, a Starbucks employee that's faithful to Jesus for their entire life. And it's like, oh, I wasn't, I wasn't a huge missionary living in some third world country. I didn't become that prominent speaker I really wanted to be. I didn't have all these right now media videos that I, I really dreamt of having. And God could still say, well done, my good and faithful servant. And so we have to understand that. We have to recognize that. Uh, we can't allow our, our expectations, our emotions, those things, our obligations that we've put on ourselves to outweigh what Jesus says about us. Uh, and so followers of Jesus are free. The next thing is followers of Jesus are obedient. And so we look in, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 3. It says, this is how we know that we know him if we keep his commands. I love it. Simple, right? Hey, you want to know how you know Jesus? You keep his commands. Boom. There you guys go. All right. See you later. Chick-fil-A? Okay, cool. Um, no, he's, he's just, he's laying it out. Again, this is why, I mean, people, the, the scholars are saying that John's writing this letter to, to a congregation or to congregations that, that he has a, a connection with because he's, he's basically just laying it out because he cares for them. This is how we know that we know him if we keep his commands. The one who says, I have come to know him and yet doesn't keep his commands is a liar and the truth is not in him. So if our claim to know God is authentic, then it will reveal itself in our new life through obedience, imitation, accountability, fellowship, community. And so we, we, as we, we look at this, we see a person's words must be tested by their works. I could get up here all day and I could say a bunch of words and you guys be like, yeah, God, that's cool. 
I could talk about being a, a good husband or a good father. And then if we were to go home and you'd be like, man, Kyle, I saw you just sitting around while your wife was doing everything. You're not a very good husband. <laughs> like, you're a chump. Um, or hey, your, your kids are, are vying for your attention, your affection, and you're just staring out into space. I don't know. Um, you guys be like, man, that's not, that's not really a good dad. So the words are meaningless, like unless our actions, our works back them up. And so it's important that we, we understand that as a follower of Jesus, we are obedient. Verse 5, but whoever keeps his word, truly in him the love of God is made complete. This is how we know we are in him. The one who says he remains in him should walk just as he walked. Verse 5, I just want to stay here for a second. Um, whoever keeps his word. And so it's, I mean, it's not just talking about little segments, okay? We, we see that it's talking about keeping his commands. It's not just like, hey, here's a list of commandments that we're supposed to keep now. It's, it's talking about his word as an entirety. It's been grouped together. One thing. How do we keep his word? We have to know his word. How do we know his word? We have to spend time in his word. Um, Sunday morning in, in Sunday school, uh, the leader was talking about, uh, I think, I can't really remember uh, exactly, but she was mentioning like, hey, how do we do these things? Like, what, are, what do we do to really, you know, apply Scripture to our lives or to, to know Scripture, to understand it better? Uh, and I think the biggest thing that, that we can do, yes, reading it is very important, memorizing it is very important, praying over it, all those things, uh, but talking about it, verbally communicating. I know for some of you in this room, you're like, Kyle, I don't like to talk to people. Um, or I only like to talk to a select few people. Or maybe you're like, hey, I like to talk to one person, and that one person is the one person I know in this room. Um, I don't know. I don't know where you're at. But talking about it. I tell my students all the time, we need to be having gospel conversations with our believing friends. We need to be talking about Jesus. It's weird when, it, like, I can get around guys on a Sunday morning. It's like, hey, we're at church, and we sit there. It's like, so uh, football, how about that weather? I think it's supposed to ice on Thursday, maybe, maybe not. And then we could have a conversation about that, but if I was to say, hey, guys, you know, what did you learn this week in your quiet time? And it's like, uh, well, got to get some coffee. Uh, you know, not that I haven't, I have not done that to people on purpose. Um, but like we, we get weird. It's like talking about Jesus isn't, you know, supposed to be part of our, our normal everyday conversation. Something, something's happened there. And I think in, in this idea of obedience, the way that you become comfortable with sharing your faith is, is just sharing what God's doing in your life with believers, with your brothers and sisters in Christ, with the people in this room that you know talking about Jesus. I know it can be awkward at first because you're like, well, what if I say something that's wrong? Don't worry. Philip and I are here to correct you, okay? <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, but we are. Um, but having, initiating those conversations. Because if we're going to understand that followers of Jesus are obedient, that means obedient in everything, not just obedient in the things that we're comfortable with. That's not just, hey, I'm obedient in attending Reach or attending BCM or attending church on Sunday. I'm obedient in having my quiet time. I'm obedient in praying. I'm obedient in journaling. Uh, I'm obedient in memorizing a verse once a week. But when it comes to sharing the gospel, eh, I don't know. We put all of these excuses in front of us to hinder us from doing it. Guys, I'm telling you right now, uh, Scripture's not lying when it says the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. You can go to churches across Tulsa. There's 167 churches in the Baptist Association in the Tulsa metro area. Think about that, 167 churches. A lot of these churches may not be that big, but then you've got some real big churches that have upwards of five, six, seven, eight, nine, hundred people thousands of people, and then we're going to sit there and be like, hey, how can I interact with somebody that's never heard the gospel in Tulsa, Oklahoma? Because people aren't sharing the gospel. Because we aren't sharing the gospel. 
because we hesitate. No, I can't do it at the gas station. That's just weird. I'm just supposed to fill up my car with gas. I can't do it at work because then what if that person, like, what if the conversation doesn't go well and that person doesn't want to talk to me anymore? God's commissioned us to be obedient. He's commissioned us to share the gospel. He's commissioned us to, to reach the lost. So it's extremely important. And here's the other thing. The proof of love is loyalty. Confidence towards God is extremely important. Confidence towards God rather than just obedience to him. Okay, what I mean by that is, yes, I said followers of Jesus are obedient. That's very important. But it's not just like this, okay, God, hey, I'll do that. It's, God, I believe in you. I believe in what your word is telling me that I'm going to do this out of a love for you. I am confident in what you say. And I know anxiety is a big thing. I know we struggle with it. I know fear is a big thing. All right? Thinking about death can freak you out. Maybe not right now for you guys because you're in your 20s. But once you hit those mid-30s and, you know, you're up there, you're like, I could, I could die at any moment. <laughs> and, I mean, it's true no matter what. But then, like, as you get older, you're like, I see that door shutting more than it was open before. Philip feels me. Um, and so when we live in confidence, okay, do you, does that make sense? Like when we live in confidence, our, our attitude, our approach, uh, the, the way we walk, the way we talk, it will be different. So if I live in, in confidence towards what God has told me, and that doesn't mean that I live confidently knowing, hey, this is what the, the exact area that God has called me to. But if I live in confidence knowing, hey, you know what? No matter what happens in this world, I'm going to spend eternity in heaven. The way I live my life will be different. I won't be walking with this kind of hesitation, this unsure mindset. Oh, but if I step here, then the sidewalk could give way. I roll my ankle it snaps in half, and then I fall, and my head slams to the brick. No, guys, don't go there. I'm sorry. Um, but we start to do that, right? We start to think, oh, but if I do that, what if I, I lose my job? Or, or oh, but if I, if I don't go to this university, then I'm not going to get this job, then I'm not going to get this paycheck, and then I'm not going to be able to have this house, this family, these things that I've really planned my life out around. And this is what I tell students. I say, hey, you know what? Um, I mean, you, you have a job. Uh, you're, you're in college, wherever you're at. Uh, I just say, hey, did you, is that what God wants you to do? Did you spend time praying about it? Or is it just like, hey, I got a job, so I figured this is what God wants me to do. This is where God wants me to be because this job worked out. Okay, but what if that job wouldn't have worked out? Then you're saying that, well, then if I got a job over here, then I would have moved over here because that's what God wants me to do. Does that make sense? So if we're going we're gonna to follow in obedience, we have to be loyal to him. We also have to walk in confidence knowing, hey, I don't, I don't know what the next step is. I don't know what tomorrow brings. I'm not going to worry about it because I'm confident in who my God is. And I'm obedient to him. And I'm loyal. I'm going I'm to continue to persevere to push through the struggles, to push through the difficulties, whatever it is. I'm loyal to him. I'm not going to sit there and be like, you know what, God? Okay, this is how I thought it was going to work out, and it didn't work out that way. I'm out. This is one of the things that I, I, I really harp on, uh, and it's probably just because I'm a very, I'm, I'm kind of like a, a golden retriever in a sense. I'm a very loyal friend, all right? Uh, you, you, you hurt one of my friends, I'm coming after you, okay? Uh, I'm... My wife, if she was here, she could definitely attest to this. Uh, I've had some heated conversations with people that, uh, in my mind, hurt my wife unintentionally, and I went after them, okay? Uh, but even with my friends, like if I call you friend and you call me and you need something, I'm going to do whatever I can to, to help you out. And that's the same thing I need to apply to the Lord. Like if I say I love him, I need to be loyal to him. So if he calls me to go somewhere, if he's calling you to go overseas, you need to do it. You need to be faithful to do it. But I don't know where the money's going to come from. Well, if God's called you to it, he'll provide. 
oh, but I mean, two months is a long time. Two years is a long time. Five years is a long time. I don't know how long he's called you. But you need to be faithful and obedient and, and pursue that. And so I really just want to flip over real quick. First uh, John 4, uh, 17 through 18. And these two verses kind of kind of bring it bring it to light. Verse 17, in this love is made complete with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment. So one who fears is not complete in love. Now, it's not talking about lovey-dovey love. It's talking about understanding that Jesus loves us. And if I am confident in him, I don't have to sit there and wonder, okay, but if I die, like, am I going to get to heaven? Or am I just mistaken? Again, we have to devote ourselves to obedience in his word. And the less confident we become, that usually says that, hey, I haven't been spending time in the word. I haven't been spending time with the Lord. I haven't been devoting time, investing in him. I've been doing my own thing. I've been thinking I'm good enough. I'm strong enough. I can handle it. So it's really important for us to understand followers of Jesus are free. Followers of Jesus are obedient. And then finally, uh, followers of Jesus are accountable. Now I know that as you read, you know, if you read this passage, you're going to be like, Kyle, it doesn't, it doesn't say anything about, it doesn't say accountable. Like the word isn't in there. Um, but it does talk about love for your brother or your sister in Christ. And that defines part of accountability. If I didn't care about Philip, then I wouldn't keep him accountable. If I didn't care about Philip, I wouldn't let him keep me accountable. Right? I'd be like, yeah, okay, Philip, whatever, bro. Just go make another cutting board. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Sorry, Philip. I like those cutting boards, bro. They look slick. Uh, I just give him grief, guys. I keep him on his toes. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Lindsay, if I ever go too far, just let me know. Um, but we're, we're accountable. And so as we look at it, verse 7, Dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old command that you have had from the beginning. The old command is the word you have heard. Yet I am writing you a new command, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. The one who says he is in the light but hates his brother or sister is in the darkness until now. The one who loves his brother or sister remains in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But the one who hates his brother or sister is in the darkness, walks in the darkness, and doesn't know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. And so it's very important for us to recognize this, this idea of, of brotherly love, having love for one another. Now, when it says brother or sister, it's not talking about, yes, I mean, you have brothers, you have sisters in this room, I'm assuming. Um, some of you, maybe you don't. Um, it's not just talking about loving them, which I understand can be difficult at times. Okay, have an older brother. Guy was a chump. Uh, he's not now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, but it's talking about your, your brothers and your sisters in Christ. It's talking about how you act towards them, how you respond to them. Uh, and that's why I love this this passage specifically for what we're doing this week because you have two different ministries coming together. And even though we've interacted some in the past, uh, I've, I come to, to Evergreen, been coming here regularly. Some of you guys may have seen me, but that guy, that guy looks like a, a light-skinned Jesus, okay? <laughs> I get it. That's just the way it is. I'm not cutting my hair, so you can't make me. Um, but it's the way we, we act towards each other. We love one another. Right? It's the same thing, and you know, it talks about being of, of one mind. Being of one mind is, isn't just like, oh, hey, yeah, we, we agree, we accept, we love, whatever. No, it's we're of one mind of what the mission is. We, we're of one mind of, of what Scripture is telling us. Um, but we, we have fellowship with each other. And so uh, when we look at this, I mean, we have to understand that we have to walk in love. Because Jesus walked in love. And I know that can be hard because it's like, well, Kyle, I don't, know, I don't always know what to say. Well, you don't always have to know what to say. 
Love isn't always having the right thing to say at the right time. Okay, sometimes it's just being present. Sometimes it's just praying for that person. Sometimes it's just listening. Sometimes it's just, hey, let's go get coffee and not talk about anything. And so we have to to recognize um, that Jesus desires for us to have fellowship with one another, but he also desires for us to have accountability. Okay, if we're going to acknowledge that we are, we are free in Jesus and we're going to acknowledge that we have to uh, be obedient, we have to live our lives pursuing him in obedience, uh, pursuing holiness, we cannot do that on our own. And I say it all the time. You have to find somebody that will hold you accountable. And what I say is find somebody that has the same goals you have. So if you want to spend time in the Word daily, and I mean every single day of the year, find somebody that has that same goal, and then you can push each other. You can encourage each other. Transparency brings freedom, right? We feel this weight lifted off our shoulders as we are transparent with somebody. But there's also uneasiness, you know? It's, it's a terrifying thing to tell somebody your deepest, darkest secrets, or the thoughts that you have going through your head. Because I don't know what you're thinking. You could be sitting there like, man, this guy's a dingus. You'd be right. (laughs) But confessing those things, sharing those things, um, as I talk about, you may have a thought of somebody in this room, and it wasn't a positive thought. Brotherly love, sisterly love, is going up to that person and saying, hey, I'm sorry. You didn't know this, but I had this, I had this thought. And I just need to ask you for forgiveness. That's tough. That's difficult. But hopefully, out of that, there will be a couple things that will be taught. You'll begin to surrender those thoughts to the Lord and not allow them to enter into your mind. And you'll also be showing that person, like, hey, there is real community and transparency here. And so as we look at that, Jesus is the true light. So we see talking about darkness, talking about light. Um, in verse 8, towards the end, it says, darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Jesus is the true light. Jesus is the real light. Real versus unreal. So John mentions this a few times. John 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. Uh, Jesus is the true vine. And so it's not just, hey, when you think of light, like think of a light bulb, like, oh, man, that's really bright, it hurts. Like it's kind of unimaginable to to understand the light that is Jesus because these are cheap imitations. Just like Jesus being the vine, the vines that we see in plants outside are cheap imitations of who Jesus is. And so we have to store up for ourselves Treasures that are in heaven. So the things that are in your life, okay, your car. Yes, your car is a real thing. You get in it, you drive it. Your phone is a real thing. But do they really have value? Do they have eternal value? What are you investing your time in? Where are you spending your time? Are you spending it watching shows on Netflix? Or are you spending it allowing God's word to chisel away those things that are not of him through accountability. Through quiet time. Through studying. Not just reading, studying God's word. Through memorizing scripture. And so it's extremely important. We, we store up these treasures. We need to live for eternity. I think we often, and I mean, I, guys, I was your age. I understand. I would live for like the next day. Well, all right, got that paycheck, and I'd go spend it on, you know, food or something, I don't know. And I'd be like, all right, well, I'm going to live for the next one, and live for the next one, and live for the next one. And we long to have a job to where we don't have to live paycheck to paycheck, right? And then it's like, oh, well, now I have this, but now I want more money. So I'm going to live for this amount in my savings account, or this amount in my savings account. It's never enough. So we need to be focused on living for eternity, investing in the things that matter, sharing the gospel, 
I'm big on sharing the gospel, if you haven't heard. Uh, I'll mention it like 15 more times in the next two minutes. Um, and so if we love people, we see how to avoid sinning against them. If we love them, we're not going to hop on the train of, hey, I'm going to tear them down. And guys, social media is a hotbed of depression and chaos and uh, frustration. And I would just encourage you just to not ignore it, but ignore what everybody else posts. And then post truth. Point, point to Jesus. Um, I was reviewing some, some things I had written in the past, and one of them was like, hey, if we could pull up all your social media feed from Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, I don't know what you guys have, Snapchat, um, whatever else there is. I'm 32. I don't pay attention. Uh, onto a big screen. And you were to look through it. Would it point to Jesus? I don't know. I mean, I don't know if mine would. I'm like, man, I have a Twitter. I don't really use it except to, like, keep updated on, on sports. That's, like, my news feed, I guess you could say. I don't really care about the mainstream news. But I watch, like, sports stuff, and I'm like, no, nah, my Twitter points that I like sports. It doesn't point to Jesus. And so we need to be bringing hope into the world, and, and one of the most productive ways in, in our technologically savvy world is through social media. But we don't see it because we're not confident. And so accountability is something that should bring us hope. It's something that we should strive to have. And not just for a little while, but for a lifetime. Now, you may have different accountability partners through your life, but if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, and you're going to sit there and you're going to say, hey, yes, I am free. And you're going to say, hey, yes, I'm living in obedience. Then you should also be living in community and accountability with like-hearted believers with people in this room. Now, let me be clear. Do that. It's not a good idea. Don't. It says that in 3 John. No, I'm just kidding. It doesn't say that in 3 John. It says that in uh, 5 Peter. No. Um, book of Hesitations. Uh <laughs> Don't, don't do that. Find somebody, okay, guys? Find a guy, because you have similar struggles. Ladies, find a lady, same thing, and invest in each other. But then, here's, the, here's, the, here's where I, I say this is cool, and this is what I love by young adult ministry, uh, because I'm not, you know, a big like, oh, yeah, uh, guys over here, girls over here, all right, let's get in our little small group and talk about it. Now, if we're going to do deep, talking stuff, I'm fine for it. But if it's going to be overall general stuff, like, hey, we can encourage one another with our, our testimony of what God's doing in our lives. So then when you get together on a Tuesday night or on a Thursday night, share what God's been doing in your life. If it's something awesome, if you shared the gospel with somebody and they accepted Jesus, or if they didn't, share that. Do you feel like you might be boasting a little bit? Yeah. You know what? That's okay, because hopefully it'll convict the person across the the aisle from you and be like, you know what? I need to share the gospel. I don't care if my, my students fail when they share the gospel. I'm stoked because they're sharing the gospel. See, I told you I was going to mention it like five more times. And so we need accountability. We need that. And as we wrap up uh, here, I just want to mention, because I know I put that we'd be going to verse 17, uh, verses 12, 13, and 14 uh, is John really writing, showing the church that he's not, he's not writing this calling out uh, faithful Christians. He's writing this calling out those people that are uh, false teachers, promoting false doctrine. And so that's where verses 12, 13, and 14 come into play. Because you see him kind of mentioning, hey, guys, continue to be faithful. Continue to pursue Jesus. Continue to live uh, a faithful life. Um, but I do want to mention this. Verse 15, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride in one's possessions is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world with its lust is passing away. But the one who does the will of God remains 
forever. Everything you do in your life matters. That doesn't mean that God doesn't offer forgiveness for your mistakes. There is grace. But everything you do matters. It has value. You are valuable. God has bestowed favor and grace upon you. If he didn't care about us, he wouldn't have sent his son to die for us. But he's a loving God. Acknowledge and understand that everything in this world, your, your Instagram followers, your MySpace account, no, nobody? Sorry. The job, the car, the phone, the clothes, it's all fading and passing away. It doesn't last. So John is, is giving a warning to invest in the things that matter, to begin to surrender our lives over to the things that matter. And he tells us, hey, the one who does the will of God remains forever. If there's anything you heard tonight, I would encourage you to memorize verse 17. And allow it to see it every day. Wake up to it. Remind yourself, hey, this is what I need to be doing with my life. What's up, guys? This is Philip Jackson, the pastor of Young Adults at Evergreen Church in South Tulsa, just outside of Bixby. I wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to the podcast and keeping up with us online. I know that the 2020 has been a difficult year for all of us, and I know it can be really easy to get frustrated with what's happening out in our world today. But I wanted to encourage you in something that was really significant. This year, we started to see God move in Young Adult Ministry across northeastern Oklahoma. We saw students get saved. We saw students come to know Jesus and walk with Him in ways that they have never seen before. We've also seen God begin to inject life into young adult ministry. Right now, there are many young adult ministries that are thriving across northeastern Oklahoma, and REACH and the TCCBCM are just two examples of what God is doing. If you don't belong to a local community of believers in northeastern Oklahoma, I want to invite you to come be a part of our groups. The BCM, they meet on Monday nights in West Tulsa, they also meet on Thursdays in Broken Arrow. Both times they meet at 7 o'clock in the evening, so it's super convenient to come after work. Also, I want to invite you to come to Reach. Reach meets every Tuesday evening. The doors open at 6.30, worship starts at 7, and we meet at Evergreen at South Tulsa, just east of Mingo on 111th Street. I want to encourage you in this, that you are not alone. Whether you are young and married, young and single, young just starting your family, or just starting out in life, you have a place to serve and you have a community to belong to. Don't miss out. You can find us by searching for reach.tulsa on social media or just search for the TCC BCM. Don't forget, God has something to say and he wants you to be a part of it.